0: well welcome everybody i want to welcome you to women's bible study today and uh before we worship i wanted to remind us what it is that we're doing as we sing these songs of praise i wanted to share this quote with you it was from a book that I read. It says, Worship together is a place of memory. Together we call to mind what is so easy to forget, that God is good and that His steadfast love endures forever for those who trust Him. Corporate worship counters our society's message of forgetfulness and sends a message both outwardly and inwardly that we are not alone. You're not alone today. That's the truth. Worship is a place Where we remember the past, we receive power to face the present and conceive hope for tomorrow. Would you help us to do that in this time? In Jesus' name. Bree, let's sing. We will remember. We will remember. We will remember. We will
1: remember the works of your hand. We will stop. And give you praise for great is thy faithfulness. You're our creator, you're our creator, our life sustainer, deliverer, our comfort, our joy. Throughout the ages, you've been our shelter, our peace in the midst of the storm with signs and wonders you've shown your power with precious blood you showed us your grace you've been our helper our liberator the giver of life with no way Faithfulness.
0: When we walk through
1: life's darkest valleys, we will look back at all You have done, and we will shout, "Our God is good, and He is a faithful one." Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The works of your hands We will stop And give you praise For great is thy faithfulness
0: I still remember I still remember The day you saved me The
1: day I heard you call out my name You said you loved me Would never leave me And I've never been the same We will remember We will remember We will remember The words of your hand We will stop and give you praise For great is thy faithfulness We will remember, we will remember We will remember, we will remember The works of your hands We will stop and give you praise for great is thy faithfulness
0: so we stop now we give you praise for your faithfulness oh god help us not to forget that you are good your steadfast love endures forever and ever help us to believe that you are the one who was and is and is to come and that which you've begun in our lives you will bring to complete fullness completion in Christ Jesus we believe that you've done it and we trust that you will do it again in our lives in this time we put our trust our confidence in you let's sing walking around these walls
1: Thought by now they'd fall But you have that We still stands. Great is your faithfulness. Your faithfulness. I'm still in your hands. This is my confidence. You never fail. still see you do it all.
2: Hi, ladies. Welcome. We are jumping back into the second week of Bible study in the winter session. Um, I hope you had an awesome time with your group. I hope you were able to get to know one another if you're in a new group. And if you are were in one of the old groups, I hope that you got to catch up and hear about how you're doing and how 2021 20, has been. So um, thank you so much for joining us today. I'm really excited about the talk today. Uh, it's one of those things that I love the Word of God because it's so alive and active and there is nothing. New Under the Sun. There is a time for everything. And I just, I love this because when Kathy and I wrote these talks, which if you don't know Kathy Christopher, um, she is one of our heroes of the faith who used to be uh, on staff at the church. She's now retired. Uh, But Kathy helped me write this series. And when we were writing it, we had no idea uh, when we would be teaching it and what would be happening in the world. And I love that this lesson is coming right between Martin Luther King Jr. Day An inauguration because this lesson is about being unified and not being divided. It's about coming together as the Lord's people, being open to whatever the Lord has. And the Lord is a God of unity uh, who wants us to be together. And so as I was reading this, it just was so alive to me the text. It was like, yes. This is not the time we're living in, but this is the same stuff we're experiencing in our world today. Um, and so I'm really excited. I got to pray that it all comes out because I have so much stuff inside of me that I'm excited to share. And I'm going to pray it comes out smooth for you and for me. Um, but before we dive into there, just one announcement. One um, If you still need a book, we will be at Village Christian every Saturday at 4 o'clock. If you're unable to come to that service, you can email women at ca.com or women at ca.church.com. And we can arrange for you to get a book because we want you to have the study guide. You can also download it online, uh, which some people like to fill out the PDF, whatever you prefer. Uh, But we want to get that study guide in your hand because we want you to be interacting uh, with the Word of God and reading all that he has for us. Um, And today we're going to talk about what it means to be people who are open. It's going to be good. Uh, I'm going to pray for us and then we're going to dive in because if you did your homework, you know the reading's a little bit long this week. We're not going to cover all of it, but we got to get through a lot. So let me pray for us uh, and then let's just dive in together. So let's pray. Oh, God, Heavenly Father, I just commit this time to you, Lord. Uh, There is so much in this text, Father, so much of your goodness, your heart for humanity. Uh, God, I just believe there's a lot that we can learn uh, from studying your word today. And so I just open myself to you, Lord, and say, speak through me. Uh, Speak what you want to say. Teach what you want to teach. And God, I pray for every woman that's watching that you would open her heart, Lord, to what you have for her today. Uh, God, you're so good. You're so great. Gracious to us, and we love you. Uh, so we just celebrate this time in your word together. In Jesus' name, everyone said, Amen. All right, we're diving into what is perhaps the most important chapter of Acts. Uh, some would argue, maybe even the Bible. Uh, this is when the gospel splits open. Uh, You'll remember in Acts 1.8, Jesus said, you will be my witnesses to Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. We get to that third part today. We're going to the ends of the earth of the earth today. Um, And if one thing before we even start reading this, you might have noticed a lot of repetition in this. Uh, That's because it's extremely important. It's not like Luke the writer was just sitting there and copying and pasting because he needed a certain word count to get this thing done. uh, He was writing this by hand and he repeated it because it's so important and he doesn't want us to miss it. So if you're ever reading the Bible, if you ever see repetition, uh, the author's trying to tell you this is extremely important. Pay attention. Don't miss this. Uh, And there's a lot of repetition. This is actually the longest narrative we see in the book of Acts. I think it's the longest narrative in the entire New Testament because it has so much value. So anyways, we're going to dive in and read it, and I'm going to try to control my excitement and all the things I want to say, and I'm just going to pray the Lord works through this. Um, But if you do have a Bible and you want to follow along in your Bible, awesome. If not, it will be on the screen. So we're diving right in. Uh, Last week, we talked about being people who are alive, alive in Christ and our purpose. Peter raised Dorcas from the dead um, through the power of the Holy Spirit. And so today, we're going to talk about what it means to be people who are open. So Acts 10, here we go. Verse one, it says, At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion in what was known as the Italian regiment. So, a centurion, just so you know, uh, is a person that commands part of the army. They oversee a hundred soldiers. So, this is a man of power uh, who's in the Roman, um, yeah, Italian regiment. Verse 2, he and all his family were devout and God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. Uh, One day at about three in the afternoon, he had a vision. He distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius, Cornelius, Cornelius stared at him in fear. What is it, Lord? He asked. I love that he knows that it's the Lord. That's, that's the witness of someone who's been in the presence of the Lord, that he doesn't ask, who are you or what's going on or what's happening? He knows the Lord. I love that. It's just a side note. Uh, continuing on, the angel answered, your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. Don't you love that? That when you and I give and serve, it goes up like a fragrance before him. God hears our prayers. He sees the good deeds that we do. I love that. Verse five, uh, it says, Now send men to Joppa to bring back a man named Simon, who is called Peter. He is staying with Simon the Tanner, whose house is by the sea. When the angel who spoke to him had gone, Cornelius called two of his servants and a devout soldier who was one of his attendants. He told them everything that had happened and sent them to Joppa. Surely not, Lord, Peter replied. I have never eaten anything impure or unclean. The voice spoke to him a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times and immediately the sheet was taken back to heaven. While Peter was wondering about the meaning of the vision, the men sent by Cornelius found out where Simon's house was and stopped at the gate. They called out, asking if Simon, who was known as Peter, was staying there. While Peter was still thinking about the vision, the Spirit said to him, Simon, three men are looking for you. So get up and go downstairs. Do not hesitate to go with them, for I have sent them. Peter went up and said to the men, I'm the one you're looking for. Why have you come? The men replied, We have come from Cornelius the centurion. He is righteous and a God-fearing man who is respected by all the Jewish people. A holy angel told him to ask you to come to his house so he could hear what you have to say. Then Peter invited the men into the house to be his guests." All right, we're going to pause there. There's a ton happening. Um, I love this. I love this vision that Peter gets when he's praying. And I love j- just the, the dialogue. I love the response. I love that we serve a God who speaks to us so clearly. So um, we're going to dive right into the three points that we have for today. And the first one is, we're going to talk about today what it means pe- to be people that are open. So I'm going to encourage you for in three ways I think this text calls, encourages, and challenges us to be open. The first one is be open to God's vision. That's number one. Be open open to God's vision. So let's talk about this vision that Peter has. Uh, So Peter, so first of all, we have Cornelius, who is a God-fearing man. And when I was doing my research, I thought this was just a way to describe him, somebody who feared God. This actually describes a whole sect of, of Gentiles who are God-fearing. These are men and women that loved, the the lord yahweh um but we're not jewish by jewish standards and so to become a jewish person there was three things that needed to happen one uh, males needed to be circumcised the second thing is is a purification or a like a self-cleansing baptism had to take place in the presence of witnesses um and the third thing that had to happen oh, i'm looking at my notes now i'm forgetting it um Oh they they had to offer a sacrifice at the temple in Jerusalem, so those are the three things that required for someone to become Jewish and so a lot of Gentiles uh those who were not Jewish uh, who still believed in god um, they this group of people were called God fearing Gentiles, God fearing people, because they had not gone through all the rituals to become Jewish, to be God's holy chosen people, but they feared the Lord and they loved him and they prayed. Um, So this is actually talking about a group of people, not just a description of who Cornelius was, although it was a description of him. He was a God fearing man who gave generously. So Cornelius has this vision and an angel comes to him and he says, send for Peter. You need to hear what he has to say. Love that. Love when the Lord gives a vision uh, that's about to come true. And so on the other hand, you have Peter. And Peter is up on the roof where he went to pray. And so, if we're going to talk about being people of vision, uh, it starts with being people of prayer. Uh, both of these men, it describes in their description. Peter actually went up to pray and it said, "Cornelius was a man of prayer." When we think about being open and being open to a vision that the Lord would give us, it starts with being people that seek after God, who desire to know what God has for them, who know God. So when the angel comes, Cornelius says, "Lord, speak. What do you say?" There's an intimacy There's there's a relationship. And so Peter gets this vision, and the vision is a sheet coming down from heaven with all different kinds of animals, right? And the Lord says, get up, kill, and eat. Uh, now, this might be weird to you and I, or we just think, oh, what's well, one of those things that doesn't make sense, or it's just animals. Um, in Leviticus 11, the Lord lays out for his people, the Jewish people, all the rules that they are to follow to be his holy set aside people. And one of the things that they cannot do is they cannot eat any of the animals listed here. They are considered unclean. So this, Peter would have grown up his whole life knowing this, that he could not touch these animals. They could not look at them. uh, They were not allowed. They would be unclean. They would be Kicked out a community, they'd been separated from the tribe. There would be consequences. So Peter's grown his, uh, lived his whole life knowing that these are the foods that he can't eat, and it's one of the things that makes him holy, that makes him God's people, is not eating these foods, not eating these animals. So in this vision, the sheet comes down from heaven. All these animals are on it, and the Lord says to him in the vision, He says, "Get up, kill and eat." And if you can imagine, this is the most outrageous thing that Peter's ever heard. he says, surely not. What does he say? He says, I have never eaten anything impure or unclean. This would be like the, the most unclean, unlikely thing the Lord could ask him to do because it would make him not God's people. It would put him on the outside. And the Lord invites him. He says, get up, eat clean. Um, And this happens three times. And verse 15 is such an important part for us. Uh, The voice spoke to him a second time. This is the Lord speaking. He says, do not call anything impure that God has made clean. So what's happening in this vision is is Peter is seeing what he is not allowed to do and God's inviting him to do. To break the rules that made him God's people. God says, Get up and you can eat this. It's like reversing his whole childhood. Like your whole life, you've been told, Don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, don't. Then you have a vision of the Lord saying, Do it. And that's got to be confusing. That's got to be like, Well, God, you've, I've just spent my whole life avoiding those things. And now you're telling me. And God says to me, He says, Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. Friends, the Lord is giving. Peter of vision. And what I see it as, in my own language, is, is the Lord is inviting Peter to move from religion, the set of rules that binds him, that makes him the people that depends on his effort and will. He's moving him from religion to relationship. He's moving him to a place where he's saying, you can trust that I've made this clean. I've made this pure. I did this. And now you don't have to bear the responsibility of being perfect and doing things the way you've been taught to do. I'm gonna cover you. You can eat these things and you won't be unclean. You can eat, you can break the laws that I set because there is somebody greater that overcame the law. God is inviting Peter uh, to enter into relationship. And what this means, this is huge, because Peter is basically being invited. He gets a vision of undoing the laws that he grew up with and the Lord telling him, it's okay, I've made this clean. This is monumental because nothing that was unclean was allowed in a Jewish person's life, and that includes the Gentiles. The Gentiles were not allowed to be near God's people, in God's people. Even the God-fearing Gentiles that loved Him, they had to sit in a different part um, in the sanctuary. They couldn't; they weren't part of the actual people of God. All this separation uh, was to sh- to put God's display on glory. And now God's saying. You don't need the rules to see my glory. My son, Jesus Christ, is the glory. And because he came, you can eat that food and it will not change who you are. The Lord gives Peter a vision that contradicts everything he knows. But because Peter is a faithful man who's praying, Peter can receive this vision. I wonder today. What would it look like for you to be? Open to God's vision. Are you seeking God's vision? Are you on your knees? Are you in prayer? Are you getting away and letting God give you a vision? Without a vision, the people perish. This vision could only be from the Lord. And so, I want to make a distinction between that. You and I, uh, we're we're a people of vision. Uh, I do vision boards every year, where I put a lot of stuff on a little board that I would like to see happen in my life. There's nothing wrong with that, but there is a difference between a vision. From from the Lord and our own man-made visions. These men, Cornelius and Peter, were men who loved God and were willing to get rid of their own vision, their own preconceived understanding of things, to hear and see what the Lord had for them. Are you open to to a vision from the Lord? Are you seeking who he is and what he wants to show you, regardless of if it's comfortable for you, regardless as if it serves your plan or your future? Are you open to a vision of the Lord? You see, Peter, Peter's openness to this vision is what changed the course of human history. It's what allowed you and I, I'm a Gentile. It's what allowed us to come in to the family of God. Had Peter said, nah, that's too crazy. I had a crazy dream. Like I must've eaten some weird egg salad that day. I can't, I'm just gonna forget about it." Had Peter missed the vision, I don't know if we could say we'd be here. I, I believe we could by God's grace, but had he been disobedient to this radical thing that the Lord was showing him, if he hadn't followed, if he hadn't gotten up, if the men hadn't come and he didn't go with them, ah, the church wouldn't be what it is today. The church wouldn't be, the Gentile nation wouldn't be allowed to be brought in the way he did. Peter's openness to God's vision changed things. And so, before we move on to the next point, before we keep going on in the text, I want you to think about your own life for a second. Are you open to God's vision? Do you seek God's vision in tough times like this? We are at the precipice of an inauguration. Uh, we've come out of a lot of racial tension. There are divides all over the place in our world, and there was no greater divide in this time than Jew and Gentile. So put that on for 2021. 20, there are divides all over the place. And you know what? Everybody thinks they're right, right? Peter Peter thought he was right. Peter was doing what he was told to do. Like like we are. We we believe what we believe for a reason. But are you open to God's vision? To what he wants to say? To allowing him to change what you think, what you believe, what you know. Peter's openness is what allowed the goodness of the Lord to come in. And so in this season, I want to challenge you to get alone with God and ask him for his vision. Ask him for what a vision for your life looks like. Ask him for a vision of what today looks like. Ask him for a vision uh, of your blind spots, what you can't see. Be open to God's vision because God's vision transforms the world. And if you and I just chase our own vision, we're gonna miss what God has, his goodness, his plans. God is looking for faithful people. He's not looking for perfect people. He's not looking for people that don't make mistakes. He's not looking for people that have it all figured out. He's looking for people like Peter who will go on a roof and pray, get a vision, and have enough faith to hold something that feels so wrong. Against everything he believed, he in faith held it and said, if this is your will, Lord, confirm it, show it. I want to believe it. Are you open to God showing you another way? Uh, One of the things I love before we jump into that is that God told Peter uh, back in Matthew, God prepped Peter for this. He told him in Matthew 16, 19, he says, Jesus says, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. The Lord, Jesus told him he was gonna give him the keys and here is the key. Peter is about to open the church, to open the gospel for all the world. Just as Jesus says, you will be my witnesses to the ends of the earth. Peter held the key to let the other in. What does God wanna use you to do? What vision could God give you? Sit with that question. We're gonna continue on in our reading. Uh, We're diving back in. And so uh, the men replied, we've come from Cornelius, the centurion, he's righteous. Uh, Peter invited them into his house, verse 23. This is also crazy shenanigans. You, if you were a Jew, you were not allowed to eat with Gentiles. You were definitely not allowed to have them in your house. If a Jew were walking on the street and passed a Gentile and brushed him, he would have to go home and burn his clothes. They could not be touched by someone that was outside that was unclean so already we see peter peter saw the vision and by faith he's living out the vision peter invites these men into his house to be his guests this is scandalous for this for this context for this culture this was unheard of peter is doing something that he would have been told his whole life not to do he let the outsider in who is outside in your life who do you need to let in That was just a little side point. It's not even one of my main points. Um, Okay, we're going to continue on though because we got to get into the good stuff. Peter at Cornelius' house. Uh, And so we're jumping in halfway down verse 23. I'm going to read this. It says, The next day Peter started out with them and some of the believers from Joppa went along. The following day he arrived in Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them and had called together his relatives and close friends. As Peter entered the house, Cornelius met him and fell at his feet in reverence. But Peter made him get up. Stand up," he said. "I am only a man myself, man. Is it just me, or does any anybody think some celebrities need to hear that today? Peter is saying it's not about me. I, I didn't do anything. It's Jesus. Uh, so much of our culture wants to worship people and and exalt them, and Peter uh, is straight up saying, no, no, it's not about me. It's this. I didn't do anything. This is this is Jesus. You want to worship the main guy. You want to worship the one, the only. It's not about me. It's about him. I love his humility. That." Points to the truth that sets people free. Verse 27, while talking with him, Peter went inside and found a large gathering of people. He said to them, You are well aware that it is against our law for a Jew to associate with or visit a Gentile, but God has shown me that I should not call anyone impure or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without raising any objection. May I ask why you sent for me? So Peter's just going by faith. Cornelius had a vision. The men came. Uh, he saw the vision. He believed it. He started living in faith. But Peter doesn't even know why he's there. Um, so Cornelius says, he says, three days ago, I was in my house praying at this hour at three in the afternoon and suddenly a man in shining clothes stood before me and said, Cornelius, God has heard your prayer and remembered your gifts to the poor. Send to Java for Simon who is called Peter. He is a guest in the home of Simon the Tanner, who lives by the sea. So I sent for you immediately, and it was good of you to come. Now we are all here in the presence of God to listen to everything the Lord has commanded you to tell us. So Peter is about to tell them what he saw. But what I want to note before we read this is that Peter immediately went to where the Lord had called him, which was not the Jewish people. Peter instantly crossed over his threshold of discomfort and went into the side of the other. He trusted in faith that the Lord had given him a vision, and then the Lord confirmed the vision by bringing people. And now he's hearing about Cornelius's vision. But I just want us to remember that that Peter, a Jewish man, is now going into a Gentile house, and the first person he's going to tell this vision to is a Gentile. So, verse 34. Then Peter began to speak. This is the line that I just love. He said, I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism. I'm gonna say that again. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. You know the message God sent to the people of Israel, announcing the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. You know what has happened throughout the providence of Judea, beginning in Galilee after the baptism that John preached. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and how he went around doing good and healing all those who were under the power of the devil, because God was with him. We are witnesses of everything he did in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They killed him by hanging him on a cross, but God raised him up from the dead on the third day and caused him to be seen. He has not; he was not seen by all the people, but witnesses whom God had already chosen, by us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one who God appointed as judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets testify about him that Everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. Do you see what just happened? Two separate visions, two faithful men. The Lord brought two separate camps of people together in the spirit, and Peter preached the good news. Jesus Christ died, resurrected for the forgiveness of sins for all people. That, my friends, is the legacy that you and I are invited into. We are invited to be people who walk into the separation. The The world, I went to the multi-ethnic leadership um, community. They did a summit this past weekend, and they talked about how our world makes things so binary, right? Left, right. Rich, poor. Black, white. And how Jesus was constantly in the business of finding The third way, not either or, both and. Here we see God bring together a Jewish man and a Gentile and unite them in one vision around the gospel of Jesus Christ. Friends, the gospel of Jesus Christ unites us and Satan wants to divide us. He knows that when we are divided, there is violence and there is animosity and there is rage and there is hate. And where there's hate, there can't be love. But God is a God of love who sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross because he loved us so much. And here Peter comes into Cornelius' house. All these differences, the uncleanliness, the separation that must have existed between these men who would never be allowed to be in the same room together. The Lord brings them together. And Peter, in faith, because he was open, shares the vision, the story of Jesus Christ, that he died for all. Our second point today is be open to God's radical love. Be open to God's radical love. You and I are taught in the world we live in that there is right and wrong, this side, that side. We are divided as a people, as a nation. The enemy loves that. That's where he gets his best work done. And the Lord comes in and the Lord brings about this radical love that changes everything. From the beginning of the Bible, it was the Jewish people that were God's chosen people. And they weren't chosen because of ethnicity. They were chosen by their faithfulness. And God said, I'm going to put my glory on display. And you need to look different than everybody else. So if you are faithful, if you obey me, if you follow me, I will be your God. I will part the Red Sea for you. I will show you my glory. And then it moved along in time. And the prophecies of the Old Testament always pointed to a Savior who would then include the whole world. That it wouldn't just be one people group. It would be open to everybody. This is happening in Acts 10. Peter is crossing the threshold between the divides that separated cultures, the divides that kept someone unclean. Unclean might not be a a word that you and I really understand in our terminology, because it's not something our culture really associates with. I think a better word that would fit our context more is inferior. The Jewish people believed the Gentiles were inferior to them, that they were not good enough, that they weren't worthy. And Peter comes in the power of God and reconciles that. This is radical love. This is something only God could do to bring two divided people together. That's radical love. And I wonder today, when you look at your life, you might not fit into these binary categories. I hope and pray that you're living in a different direction, but I want to believe because I'm human and because you're human, there are people who we consider other that we either don't understand, don't know, that we, we don't like to admit this, but we're prideful people that we think we're better than them. We somehow think, I'm more worthy than you are. We all do this in our mind. I wonder who is on the outside to you. Who is the other? It might be somebody who has everything and is perfect and you're jealous of them. It might be somebody who hurt you and said words that cut and pierced you and you've put up a wall and you said you, you are not worthy. I don't know who it is and if it's a people group if it's a culture if it's if it's one person that wronged you but i wonder who is the other in your life because in this story cornelius would have been very very opposite to peter and god brought them together because his love is radical because it knows no limits it knows no bounds Who is God calling you to love, not in your own love, but in his holy, awesome, radical love that says my name is for anybody who would believe in all the earth, no matter what you've done, no matter who you are, no matter where you're from, no matter your income, no matter your education, no matter the color of your hair, no matter the color of your skin, no matter your political party, all people are welcomed in God's family. That kind of love changes the world and you and i are invited to be ambassadors of that extreme love not loving those who are like us see everybody does that god's inviting you and i to love people who are different people who we see as far from people who when we're really really honest maybe just with ourselves we see as a little bit inferior That is who God is calling us to love. And Peter's ability to do that, to cross the room, to hear Cornelius, to share the gospel with him, Peter was opening up all of his privilege, all of his chosenness. He was sharing it. He was saying, it's not just me. It's not just my people. It's not just because I followed rules. This is the the gospel that's free. And you're invited into this love. You're invited into the story. You are part of the family. Who in your life needs to experience the radical love of God that can only come through Jesus, through the Holy Spirit in you. This isn't you and I mustering up our courage and trying to give a love that we don't have. This is us recognizing, tapping into the source of all love. God is love and he lives in you if you believe in Jesus Christ and he wants to love others around you. Friends, as we enter the inauguration, can you think of anybody who might be far from you? Can you think of anybody who might be on your other side? Will you acknowledge today in the presence of the Lord that God's love is radical enough to include everybody? And if God's love is radical enough to include everybody and that love lives in you, that means you and I are, en- are encouraged, are told, are commanded, it's our birthright to love others radically. Uh, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. said something that has stuck with me. He said, we must learn to live together as brothers or perish together as fools you and i there's one humanity there's one people and god commands us to love others as ourselves every single one of them who in your life needs the radical love of God today. And it might be you. You might be hearing this and thinking, Coley, there's no way I can love the people. You don't know what they've done to me. You don't know how much this has hurt. You don't know the pain it's caused me. I wanna encourage you, I don't know your story, but I know a God who is bigger than pain, and I know a God who's able to do it. And so you might not feel like in your human strength you can love somebody in that capacity, But I'm telling you, the love of Jesus Christ, if it lives in you, it can reach beyond the boundaries that you and I can cross ourselves. Will you invite Jesus's radical, radical love into your heart today? Because it, friends, it starts to change stuff. It changes us, changes the way we see people. In this story, it changed the way the Jews and the Gentiles related. Suddenly, Peter opened up all the gifts of the kingdom to all those who were formerly unclean not good enough, unworthy, not circumcised, not following any of the rules, suddenly God's love extended to them. How beautiful is that? Oh, this is what I mean. I just got all this stuff inside of me and I just I could say like 7,000 things about that, but just for the sake of you know, our short time together, I'm going to carry on. Um So watch what happens. Watch what happens when Peter allows God's radical love to unite everybody. This is what happens. While Peter was speaking, verse 44, While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles, for they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Don't you love that? The Holy Spirit poured out the love of the Father on all those who heard and believed. God is good. His love is radical. It changes people. It changes cultures. It changes communities. It is what our world is so hungry for. And you and I get to be agents of change. We get to be the people that bring that radical love by showing up. Do you notice when the, when the word is spoken, power follows? You and I have the authority, the privilege to share the good news of who Jesus is and what he did with everybody in the world. And we get to watch then the fruit that comes out of that. So we'll talk about that in a second. But I'm going to just continue on so we can close up this section. Uh, The end of 46b, it says, Then Peter said, Surely no one can stand in the way of their being baptized with water. They have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So we ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked Peter to stay with them for a few days. Uh, so the first thing they did, they got baptized. Baptism is an external sign of an inward reality. These people had just received the Holy Spirit. They received Jesus. They were invited into the kingdom. And the first thing they did is said, I want the world to know I'm getting baptized. If you have never been baptized, if you believe in Jesus, if you are following him with your life, uh, baptism is your opportunity to make a public declaration that I and following the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings and Jesus. And so if you would like to get baptized, we would love to baptize you. Uh, You can email us at women at cachurch.com. We are in a pandemic, uh, but we've been doing baptisms in a private pool for just families with masks on. So if that's you don't miss that opportunity to share what you've decided to believe and live out for your life, Uh, make that public display for yourself because God commands it and it's beautiful. Okay. I'm getting all over the place. so I'm going to try to rein it in for our last point. Um, all right, we're going to go on. Uh, we're not going to dive into 11 because this is where Peter goes in and he repeats the story. Um, but what I will note is that Peter comes back to an angry set of Jewish people. Uh, the word's gotten out that the Gentiles have received this and those who are circumcised, who are God's chosen people, they get wind of this and they're like, what, were you, what are you doing? You're eating with Gentiles. You're eating unclean food. You're going with them. What's happening? The system is falling apart and they're nervous because they are God's chosen. So there's, there's a little bit of, um, fear and animosity in that. Peter tells them what happens that the spirit fell. Uh, verse 18, chapter 11, it says, when they heard this, those who were scoffing and like, what are you doing being with Gentiles? Ah, they're the other, get away. This is what happened. When they heard this, they had no further objections and praised God saying, so then, Even to the Gentiles, God has granted repentance that leads to life. God even changed their little hearts. When they heard that his radical love included everybody, that radical love consumed them. They said, even the Gentiles can be part of this. This is good stuff. And so my third point today is uh, when being open costs us, uh, we need to be open to be used by God. Be open to be used by God. Be open to be used by God. Cornelius heard the Lord, listened to His commands, sent men in his own regiment to go get Peter and bring him in. Peter praying saw the vision, uh, trusted the Lord, went with the men and shared the gospel with them. Came back, had to tell his community of Jew- like Jewish men who were going to be angry about this. Told them what happened that the Spirit poured out. Now everybody believes. Be open to be used by God. I believe there is so much goodness that the Lord wants to use you and I to be a part of, but what that requires of us, it requires a laying down of our life. It requires us not living for ourselves, not chasing our vision, but being in the posture that Peter and Cornelius were in to receive a vision and to have faith to live it out, to walk in things that seemed to them, especially to Peter, illogical or not making sense they trusted god and look look at the fruit that came out of that openness here's the thing there are real consequences uh, to not being open. We can miss blessings for ourselves and blessings for our family and blessings for our community. So I understand as a human with you that it's scary sometimes to be open to be used by God because he might make us do something uncomfortable. He might make us cross the room. He might make us go to a different city that we don't know anybody and to be loving there. I don't know what God wants to do in your life. I don't know what he's asking you. That's the beauty of your relationship with. God is you get to ask him and figure that out. But we got to ask because he has things for us to do. And when we don't do them, there's a consequence. If Peter didn't go, think that you and I would not be here. There is a consequence to saying no to God's goodness. We miss the fruit. We miss the glory. uh, Peter got to witness the Holy Spirit falling on Gentiles, people that he never, ever thought could come near to God and be his people. He got to witness God's love poured out on them. And this community of believers going out to the ends of the earth, as Jesus said, you and I are invited to be part of God's story, to have a role in it, to play. But it starts with being open to being used. Now, these these are some radical things. As we said, this story in the book of Acts is one of the biggest stories and the most important stories. So when I'm talking to you and I, I don't I don't want you, I don't expect you to go to your room and receive a vision from the Lord that will change the world. If you do, I will champion you and support you. We will all pray for you. But don't don't put yourself in a place of fear that it's going to be so big that you can't do it. God always meets us exactly where we're at. It might be something so little. It might be sending a text to somebody that you got in a little fight with. It might be really small. It might be saying, I'm sorry, to somebody. It might be inviting somebody you haven't seen forever out for a social distance walk. It might be just you sitting and repenting of something that you've done. It It's not always big things. It's the little things that make a difference. But what is important is you and I have to be open to be used by God. And we're going to see in this last little section, uh, there is great reward that comes out of that kind of risk. Uh, In verse 19, They talk about the church in Antioch. And just for our time's sake, I'm not going to read it all. I hope you got to read it. But basically, the first church of the Gentiles forms in Antioch, and they send Saul and Barnabas there. Um, And this is the first time the disciples are called Christians. The word Christians comes out of the faithfulness of Peter to be open to somebody that was different than himself. You and I uh, have the opportunity and the privilege to be used by God, but we, we have to be open to what He wants. And so I wonder just today, uh, wherever you're sitting, wherever you're living, what does it look like for you to be open to what God has for you? I ask you this and I ask you to sit with this for a while because This matters because your openness to God and my openness to God, it affects the world. And my disobedience, me not being open to God, could end up hurting or harming you or someone else and vice versa. When I was in college, I did an internship uh, with a small, tiny little church uh, called Hepatha Lutheran Church. It was in Milwaukee. And I might have told this story again, but it just fits so well. So I'm sorry if you have to hear it again, but it's it's part of my journey and something I just wanted to give God glory for today. Uh, But there is a woman uh, who is the pastor of the church there, and her name is Mary Martha. And I want to tell you her story, uh, because I think it's the power of someone being open. Mary Martha was an extremely bright, young child. Um, Very smart, excelled in school, ended up going to Yale, uh, where she went on to be a doctor. However, when she got into med school, uh, she was falling in love with the Lord, knew his word, was reading, and one day she felt, He was calling her to be a pastor. Now, Mary Martha came from a line of doctors, and so it was just assumed she would be a doctor. That's what she'd spent her childhood studying. She had the grades to do it. She was positioned uh, to get in and to be a great medic. However, the Lord called her to be a pastor. And so instead of going to Yale's medical school, uh, Mary Martha enrolled in the divinity school, and there she got amazing teaching. Henry Nowen was one of her professors, um, but she came to love the Lord, to know the Lord. And so she graduated from Yale, uh, the School of Divinity. And the first thing she was assigned to as a pastor, she got ordained in the Lutheran church and their first assignment that she said, I'm open. I'll go wherever you want. Uh, they sent her to a little tiny church on the wrong side of town in Milwaukee. Uh, there was this little church with only a handful of people and essentially they sent her as her first assignment. She must've been 23 or 24 to essentially close down the church. It would be her first job, but Mary Martha uh, had great faith. And so she went to this little church in Milwaukee, um, She's a little white woman and it was a little uh, African-American congregation. She went and Mary Martha with the power of prayer poured everything that she had, everything she believed, she poured it into this community and she made them her life's work. And now 35 years later, that church is thriving and exists and it's become her whole life mission. But why I tell this story is because the church name is Hepatha, which comes from a story in Mark 7 where Jesus heals a deaf man and he says the word Hepathus with that which means to be open. Mary Martha was a picture of what it meant to be open to God's will. And her moving into this little community changed people's lives. There were people who had marched with Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. that were part of her congregation that Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. had sent up to make people, to make culture shifters, God lovers. He planted them as little church so that the love of Christ, the radical love would spread. And Mary Martha, she knows God. She heard the call and she went and she Poured her life into a little church, and I'll never forget. I got to watch her teach confirmation classes in the basement of that church, and the amount of love and tenderness that she carried to kids from very rough backgrounds, kids who didn't have families or were struggling uh, with homelessness. Mary Martha ministered the love of Christ to them in such a way that it could bring me to tears today to think about. But this woman, she committed her whole life. She was open to whatever God had for her, and she could have been a doctor. She could have been living the American dream, and yet she chose to serve the Lord, and it made a difference. That church is still standing today, and there are thriving members who know Jesus and love others because that church was open. I tell you this because God knows the plans that he has for you, and God wants to use you. I don't know how. I just know that whatever he wants to do, there will be love and grace covering it. And so I want to close this. I want to challenge you this week to be a people that are open. What does it look like for you to be open to God's vision for your life, to God's radical love for you and your community, and to the other, whoever that is for you? and to be open to being used by God, because there are things that he wants to do with your life uh, that will bear much fruit. We don't know what those are, but we trust that they're amazing, and we want to see the goodness of the Lord go out. So I don't know what it looks like for you to be a person that is open this week, but I know of a God who does. He has a plan for you and it's good and it's to prosper you, not to harm you and it's to bless those around you. So sisters in Christ, my prayer for you this week is that you live open. You live open to whatever God wants to do in you and that you get to see him move through you. He will do far more than you could ever ask, hope, or imagine. Let's pray. God, we come to you just as meek vessels father god we come to you with a heart like peter that wants to see you that wants to walk by faith lord i pray this week that we would be open god that even right now you'd be speaking to your daughters what does it what are you inviting us to what's the vision you have who do you want us to be god would you drain us of ourselves god Would you fill us with you? And would you show us this week what it looks like to be open in your presence? May we experience your divine love and glory and may we be blessed and others be blessed around us. In Jesus' name, we open ourselves to you now. Amen. Amen, ladies. Thank you so much for diving into this passage, uh, praying for you this week, and I'd love to hear any stories about what the Lord calls you to, because I know he has good things for you and big things. So love you, blessings on you. We'll see you next week.